0: I would stand for a prayer if you care to. <clears throat> Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for revealing yourself to us through your spirit. Thank you that you've given Jesus as a sacrifice for sin, that we can be right with you. And I pray that we could love him more and just commit our lives day by day to you. Just thank you for the privilege of meeting together in this way and for the facilities we have. Just thank you for the many blessings you've shared into our lives today. And I pray that as we look into your word today and learn more about Jesus and his way, we could uh, be willing to apply it to our lives, open our hearts to uh, being being changed by right through your spirit. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You be seated. Thank you. <clears throat> the focus on Jesus and uh, relationship with him, cooperating with Jesus uh, fits well on what I've chosen to speak on today. Thank you, Camden, for that little song about to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. Maybe we shouldn't do everything Jesus did, like knocking down people's wares in the city, but uh, we should pay close attention to what Jesus taught, the instructions that he gave. I expect it's true that Jesus had authority that we don't have. So, uh, yeah, we'll come across that throughout the the text here. So the uh, topic today is the Sermon on the Mount. It's a big, wide topic. You could spend, you know, a long series, week by week, going through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but we're going to do like a flyby, and uh, hopefully, I'd, hopefully, I can. Uh, I can't talk about everything, but we can talk about some of the things. And it's about Jesus, so it's going to be good. So on a hillside by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus went up on the mountain. There were a lot of crowds around day by day. And according to Matthew's description, uh, he called his disciples to him. And then later he talks about the people were astonished. So. I expect there were a lot of people there, more than just the 12 disciples. Uh, but he, he, he sat down and taught, taught the people, his disciples, or whoever else was there, uh, a bit about the kingdom of God. And there were a lot of new things that came out in the kingdom, in this, in this talk about the kingdom of God. And he went something like this. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law and the prophets, or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore, shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so. He shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. But I say unto you, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. And whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thy adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge and the judge deliver thee to the officer and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a rotting of divorcement. But I say unto you, That whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. But let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will soothe thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Give to him that asketh of thee, as him that would borrow thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thine neighbor, and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his sun to shine on the evil and on the good. He sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans so? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven, which is in heaven, is perfect. Take heed, when you do your, not your alms before men to be seen of them; otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, himself, shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou shalt thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they should be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore likened to them, for your Father knows what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye altogether. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. But if you forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of sad countenance, for they love to fast. They disfigure their faces. that They may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy face, or wash thy face, anoint thy head. That thou appear not in demand but fast. but unto thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret. Shall reward thee openly. Lay not for yourselves treasures upon earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt. And where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. Nor where thieves break through nor steal. For where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. For he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, or yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, ye, ye by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Or why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not also clothe ye, O ye little faith? <clears throat> Therefore, take no thought, saying... What shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with whatever, what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother... Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye. And behold, there is a beam in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye. And then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine. Lest they trample them under their feet. And turn again and rend you. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, Give good things to them that ask him. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them? For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, there are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto so me, Lord, Lord, shall I enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess it to them. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. When the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell not, because it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, I will liken him into a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So that is the text for this morning. Like I said, there could be many, many, many Sundays spent picking all that apart and sticking it onto us, applying it to our lives. Um, Just a little bit of opening there, the Beatitudes. Uh, Beatitude means something like blessed. Um, Beatitude, I read, is used in some church cultures to refer to their leadership. The, the beatitude, the doubt, um, let's say, like His Holiness for the Pope or something. Meaning, uh, meaning blessed. So it's a, it's a list of blessings that that God, that, that Jesus was giving here. Uh, Jesus used different forms of speech. He used similes, he used metaphors, metaphors. he used uh, just plain speech too. Um, there are some places where Jesus didn't mean what he said. And in some places where he did mean what he said. And by looking at the context, looking at other scriptures, um, I think we can learn what God has for us um, out of Jesus' teachings. He used a lot of parables, and he said he used, used parables on purpose. So people who wouldn't really care about it didn't, didn't find out what he was talking about. He was just a nice storyteller that told stories about people getting hit by robbers and, you know, et cetera. But people who who uh, wanted to hear uh, Jesus' kingdom teachings uh, were able to understand enough to at least know to come back for more. So when he says, blessed are, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, I don't really want to inherit the earth. I'd rather have the new Jerusalem. Um, I don't think he meant that we will inherit the earth. And there's some religions that believe that. Uh, So, these Beatitudes are a bit like the Proverbs. Uh, Brother Earl has been uh, influencing me to not take Proverbs literally. Uh, I appreciate that. I didn't really catch on to that until pretty late in life. That's not too late, yeah, I guess. Um, And the Beatitudes are just general statements of of proverbial type uh, and not... Distinct statements of fact, like "all who are meek shall get the earth at some time." Uh, I don't think that's what he, was, what he was saying here. And it's not that the meek won't see God; it's that um, just a, a list of a list of um, poetic statements about the kingdom of God, various facets of it. So, the point of the par- the point of the beatitudes here, I'm getting out of it is that. The spirit poor, meek, mourners, merciful, hungry, poor, persecuted peacemakers have got it made. Those characteristics are are describing people that are in the kingdom of God and that have uh, a a position to be envied. They're blessed. And that's a completely strange picture to the fight to the top world that we live in. And most definitely against evolutionary principles. Jesus talks about salt and light. <clears throat> Again, you know it's it's, it's a great illustration, um, but it's not a it's not a not a fact. We're not chunks of salt. I mean, Lot's wife became one, but that wasn't a good thing. Uh, and light is a good thing. Shows up things. Light can be really really powerful. Here's a little dime that somebody shined a light on and melted a hole through it. There's a little teeny hole in the dime. Uh, some laser cutting company uh, uses it for a, for a uh, advertising tool. Uh, you can use light lasers to cut through thick sheet steel. Uh, sparks are flying. It's, it's a light can be very very powerful. So as you, as you use the light of the world, aren't to go around and throwing your weight around in the world and making everything right, cutting everything out to God's shape but we're to just stand on a hill, work a candle, and just glow and let people see themselves in their own mirrors by the light that we shed from God. Being the salt of the earth is often given... uh, uh, understood to be like you're a good part of the earth, the earth system. Um, and I think probably the Amish culture has been lifted up this way uh, that they have this home lifestyle with their close knit communities. And if we could all be like them, you know, the world would be a better place. Oh. <clears throat> but how can we be a light and a salt, influence to the earth, to the world, to the society, without getting involved in it. Because Jesus is pretty clear about this two-kingdom two concept. Um, he talks about you and them, and in the New Testament as well. It's us and them. Uh, they, we obey them, the government. Uh, they will come after you and bother you. Uh, It's an us and them situation. I think uh, one way to describe it is that God's people are basically to be a measure, uh, a point from which to measure righteousness. We're not supposed to impose righteousness onto the world, onto society, but we're supposed to be a point from which to measure righteousness so if someone's around you at your, your job and they say a word they shouldn't say they say, oh sorry I didn't know you were here what difference does it make if I'm here or not well they know what difference it makes they're measuring righteousness by you they know where righteousness is if they respond that way so uh, that's at least one thing that God's people are to be in the, in this world like I mentioned before a light glowing on a candlestick so other people can look in their mirrors and see how they actually look by the light that God shows, shines through us. In Titus chapter 2 seven, 7, and 8, in all things showing ourselves a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. That kind of gives a picture of, of uh, just where I got this from. First uh, Peter 2.12, a similar verse, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they behold glorify God. So the evil people will end up glorifying God because of how the Christians act. It's not always the case, but it's supposed to be. Uh, that's one of the major influences that the church is supposed to have in the world. not like try to elect a righteous guy into government or something or to, uh, be the next president. All right, I'm going to go through the several amount here, kind of in, in sections, a bit, a bit topic by topic, um, large sections, like 20 verses at a time. In uh, 20 to 26, I'll go over some of that a bit now. And um, Jesus calls out the f- scribes and Pharisees many times. And he also talks about the publicans um, in negative light. I don't know how, what an analogy that would have in our culture today. Um, maybe the rednecks or something <laughs> would be like the publicans. oh uh, or hillbillies, you know, whatever. But somehow I'm not quite comfortable using people groups and culture, uh, ethnic partitioning here to be an example to publicly uh, teach how not to be. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe the Israelite culture was different. Um, you know, Jesus spoke very harshly to the Pharisees. So I'm not sure if we're supposed to emulate that part of Jesus's uh, presentation, uh, as in using a group of people that are redeemable um, as the standard of badness. <clears throat> so probably we shouldn't call people generations of vipers uh, and sons of the devil and those kinds of things. I think Jesus had authority that we don't we don't have in that case. Um, then he talks about this person who is mad with his brother. Um, and these are precursors to murder, being angry and harboring ill will and all that. Um, and Jesus brings in some terms that we don't use nowadays. I, mean, I never called anybody a rocker that I can remember. Um, but those terms are kind of synonyms. But the punishment gets greater and greater and greater. And I don't understand that arrangement Um But the, uh, the the words, according to Strong's Concordance, mean like, oh, empty head, airhead, um, uh, idiot. those kind of kind of words, just disrespectful words, uh, not not murderous language exactly. But later on, when throughout the sermon, when Jesus talks about attitudes, uh, these, these attitudes of of towards people. Uh, are, are targeted as well. Matthew five twenty-seven to thirty-two. Yes, this is the first where he says, "You have heard, but I say unto you." So twenty-seven to thirty-two, kind of. I'm not sure if I divide that up right. Let's we'll start, we'll start with the 27. Um, committing adultery is, of course, against God's plan. And then he says, But I say unto you, that favor looketh on a woman who lost after her hath committed adultery with, adultery with her already in his heart. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about what that would be like, because it's good to know where boundaries are so that... Um, we don't fall off a cliff, okay? It's good to know where boundaries are. So I want to talk a bit about about the um, the terms that Jesus is using, where the where he's where he draws the line. So according to Strong's Concordance, I use that pretty heavily. Uh, I don't know Greek or Hebrew, and so I have to depend on other people's researches. Um, in verse twenty-eight. The lust word there means to set your heart upon or to covet. So, this is not being in a group of people or walking down the street or whatever and say, and and noticing somebody is a well proportioned or a nice looking person. Like, oh, they're dressed up nice, they look nice, or they're tattered, or they're nice. It's not that. It is setting your heart upon and coveting. Uh, that's what he's describing here. <clears throat> and I'm not trying to water this thing down. I just want to be clear. This is what Jesus actually said. Um, that it's, it's a, looking at a, a man, looking at a woman, and setting his heart upon her. Oh, I'd, like, you know, I'd like to have her for my wife. And it's not a legitimate um, um, possibility. A coveting. So it's an, it's an emotion, emotional, mental thing. And it doesn't just really work this way. It works this way, too. <clears throat> um, if a, a married woman sees a a, a a man, a husband, a father, um, seems to have his family well-organized, and he's a loving, caring person to his wife, and, and she feels a little bit neglected, perhaps, in her relationship, and it's very easy, I've heard, for Emotional connections to be made, even without the other person's knowledge. Um, And again, we get into this setting your heart upon uh, coveting, um, longing to be in that situation instead of the situation you're in. I think that's what that would describe what Jesus is talking about here, um, as as the line. So again, I, I don't believe He's talking about somebody saying, you know if if when i get married i want my wife to be like her i think that's a legitimate uh comparison and a legitimate thought pattern um you know, whatever characteristics qual- character qualities um, are shown there or if i ever get a husband i want my husband to be like him and he could be a married man or, you know, or or single man but someone that we someone that kind of shows uh a christian partner the way we believe it should be. Um, that's, that can be a, a positive thing, to be examples to each other. As long as there's not, you know, the imagination and the um, uh, longing to put yourself into sinful situations. That's, that's where, the, where Jesus is drawing the line here. And yes, being in an ungodly society, like was mentioned this morning that Daniel was in, um, there are a lot of dirtying things out there. And even if you see get get close to dirtying things, uh, you don't have to be in this position to imagine how it would be to be in that situation. That's, That's where I think Jesus is drawing the line. We live in a dirty world, and Jesus lived in a dirty world. Their culture was worse than ours. Uh, from what I can read uh, their their government leaders would would poison each other and and um have relations with all their friends and relatives and children and mothers and you know that was a mess uh so I don't think we have any any uh a- advantage of of um saying oh we have it worse than they did I don't think we did They're... Their government and their culture was a mess back then. We still have we still have some um, some biblical morality lurking around our country that does does have some restrictions, I think, uh, on people. First Thessalonians four five talks about uh, how Gentiles and Christians will live differently. And he says, not in the lust of concupiscence, even if the Gentiles, which know not God. And so again, Strong brings out that lust of concupiscence means suffering under a forbidden longing is is this idea of um, dissatisfaction with what where you are and having suffering under the stress of a forbidden longing for something else that's not yours, that you're not allowed to have. <clears throat> Um, And one of the reasons that divorce and remarriage is always wrong is because you have to do this to get divorced and remarried. You have to set your heart upon and long for a relationship outside of the legitimate relationship that you're in. There are other reasons, I'm sure, too. Um, But this is... um, Yeah, you can't go through the divorce and remarriage process and keep your affections and uh, loves within the relationship. It doesn't work that way. All right, Jesus touches many, many topics. Next section we're going to talk about is uh, Matthew five thirty-three to thirty-seven, and in this this section. The kind of the theme, overall theme, um, as I could understand it, would be maybe about honesty, Uh, like not loving and making lies. In Revelation 22, 14 and 15, it says, "Uh, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they have right to the tree of life and get into the gate of the city. For without, outside the gate of the city of of New Jerusalem, are sorcerers, hermongers, murderers, adulterers, and whoever loveth and maketh a lie. <clears throat> and so Jesus addresses our, our conversation, our speech, and especially the honesty part of our speech. And he mentions about swearing of oaths. Uh, and this may have been quite common in the Old Testament. I don't know... Uh, uh, he, Paul talks about that swearing was as he talks about swearing as a as a uh, like everyone knows how this works thing. Um, he said because verily men swear by the greater and find something bigger than themselves to to uh, support what they're saying. And that's why God swore by Himself because He couldn't swear by any, by any greater uh, into in His covenant to Abraham. In Deuteronomy 30:19, Moses is talking to the Israelites, and he said, "I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I, have, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your seed may live." He is somehow talking about heaven and earth, God's power, God's character, God's truth, uh, comparing that with the force of what he's just saying to to the Israelites. He could have left out the heaven and earth record thing, and it just meant the same thing. He would have said, I set before you life and death. Either you obey obey God or don't obey God. Uh, But he chose to put in, I call you to record um, under heaven and earth. The Apostle Paul seems to have kind of held on to this habit um, that I think Jesus was was, uh, trying to root out or get out. Paul did this several times in his letters. So it's one place that we sh- maybe shouldn't follow Paul. Um, for example, in Second Corinthians one twenty-three, moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth. That sounds almost like cross my heart and hope to die. Da-da-da-da. So I think we shouldn't say this. I think God's intended that we tell the truth. And we don't have to say, I'm telling the truth! Okay, weren't you yesterday? Like, tomorrow will you tell the truth? <clears throat> but probably it was a cultural thing that got carried over in his experience. I'm not, not blaming him for um, being evil or falling away from, from God or anything. But um, I think it's something that we should recognize that this is not what Jesus was teaching about. This is not the way Jesus was explaining it. In Romans one nine, Paul again says, "For God is my witness, how I served in my spirit and good, the good news of His Son, etc." In First Thessalonians two five, neither at any time use we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of, of nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. So again, that's not what Jesus was describing. How to use the language there? So we are not to call a higher power, whether it be the king at Jerusalem or um, by Joe Biden, I'm going to do this. You know, I know that. We're, um, we just say what we're going to do. And if we don't make our promises, we apologize. When we're human, we, we can't always do what we think we're going to do. Um, we do our best to fulfill our word. And if it means a loss of money or something, we take the consequences cheerfully. Um, but we are honest in our in our conversations. There shouldn't be a need for saying, are you serious? I'm going to make a lot of a squirm this morning. Um, and many of these things that I'm going to talk about here, I've done it myself. I don't know that I have given need for someone to say that to me. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm sure I've lied in the past, but I don't think it's a habit with me. <clears throat> but we really should be trustworthy. Um, even humor. Falsehood humor. It doesn't fit into Jesus' teachings. April Fool's it doesn't fit into Jesus' teachings. It's just not there. You say, oh, it's a cultural thing. It's all good. That's well, not in Jesus' teachings. Are you going to, are you going to serve the culture? You're going to serve Jesus. That's the, that's the question. So, yeah. And then we have what the dictionary calls "minced oaths." So when people use God's name in vain, um, and I'm going to give some examples of these things. Just for clarity, uh, hopefully we won't defile anyone's mind because I think they're common knowledge. knowledge. So, um, people who, you know, they smash their thumb or drop something and they'll say, damn. They are talking about the punishment of hell that God has reserved for the unregenerate. I don't know how it got connected with dropping something on your foot. I don't know the connection there. But they're using... Uh, God's judgment and somehow sinners use a lot of God's judgment in their swear words I don't get that either they don't even believe it so I don't think any of us would say that but what about what do you say? I need a brave volunteer, a really, really brave volunteer, an anonymous, brave volunteer. (laughs) I I, I won't say your name out loud. I say, what have you heard in our circles, Anabaptist circles, as a disappointed type of expression? Let's put it that way. Okay, like if you drop something, crash! Oh my goodness! Okay, sure. Um, great, into any others? I'm sorry? Shoot! Okay. Alright. Okay, brown or white?
1: <laughs>
0: okay, sure. Sure. alright. Yeah. Um, shoot's a good word to say when you're hunting the deer stepped out behind the tree so dictionaries describe these terms we've been talking about as minced minced oh it's like minced onion uh, it's a the minced part means it is uh, reduced to something smaller or more compact or in this case less offensive but the point I want you to understand and hopefully accept is that the words that people say in all these situations you're talking about actually do stand for other words that you would never say and any dictionary or website will show you the whole list It's very easy to find out what sugar stands for and I'm going to say it out loud here it's not sweet Something that Jerry has a barn full of. Okay. <clears throat> so all the all the uh, publicans and senators, they know what the words mean. They know when to say sugar instead of the other word when you're around. They know what they're saying. Do you know what you're saying? It is really dangerous to say words that you don't know what, what mean. If you uh, don't speak Spanish, don't ask a trickster to tell you how to say something in Spanish. You uh, find someone that will tell you the truth. Um, it, it's dangerous to say words that you don't don't know what mean. It's important that we know what we're saying when we say something. And I think many of us are we don't really think about it. It's not an issue to us. We don't really um, understand um it 's common it 's just normal that we have these phrases in, in, in interjected in into a language, but they are euphemisms. a euphemism is a word that a word or phrase that means something else that i don 't want to talk about in polite company um, let 's give you an example when I was little this isn 't a swear word when I was little. Uh, the culture we lived in, was very, very discreet about reproduction. So when a family was expecting a new, a new addition, um, they were expecting. And if they weren't expecting, they'd be surprised. But they were expecting. That was the term used uh, to describe the coming addition of the family. Um, no other words were deemed appropriate for at least children's company. The adults would probably talk about things that I never heard uh, And I'm not, I'm not knocking that that uh, culture but the euphemism I'm talking about the euphemism so if somebody was expecting I knew what I meant when I said it they knew what I meant when I told, said it to them and they got all excited oh yes what is it so we all know what we're talking about it means exactly the same thing as the other word that we don't want to say right now that's what a euphemism is so when I say sugar or whatever else you say, it actually does mean the other word that you don't dare say right now. Everybody else knows it. The Gentiles know it. The publicans know it. Maybe you don't know it. I don't know. But you know it now. There's a whole list of G words with G at the beginning. Goodness, gracious, grief, gad, gosh, golly, and even the word, word, means God, according to the Entomological Dictionary. So when you say, oh my word, you're actually swearing to God. Gentiles know that. They told me. They were the dictionary. They know you're swearing to God when you say, oh, my word. Oh my goodness. Good grief. Those are all God's swear words euphemistically and they know what you mean by it do you know what you mean by it maybe not now you do read the dictionary uh, we have access to lots of information you can find out what you're saying if you care about it if you want to um, J and C words usually refer to Jesus Jiminy creepers cripes instead of Christ Um, G's Sheesh These are all Jesus swear words Euphemisms for Jesus Christ Now if you Are disappointed Would you say Jesus Christ Of course you wouldn't How about sheesh You're swearing They know it Do you know it The dictionary knows it The Gentiles and publicans Know what you're saying They know what sheesh means but I think in our protected communities, you know, we don't quite catch on very fast to some of these things. For crying out loud, descended from, for Christ's sake. I don't know how that got to be. I mean, some of these words don't really sound like each other. But the word history dictionaries say this is how it is. So I just trust what they say. <clears throat> When I heard it I I just learned this recently, that connection. I just thought that for crying out loud means that, you know, this is a bad situation. I could cry out loud. Bah, you know, it's a sad situation. That made sense to me. But that's not where the word came from. That's not where the phrase came from. It came from, according to the dictionary, and um word history sources. It came from people who would have said for Christ's sake, unless yet they were embarrassed or too cautious to say that. And yet lots of other people's sake, for Pete's sake, pity's sake. Again, all um, from for Christ's sake descended. And the Gentiles know it, remember? remember? <clears throat> uh, another one is what the and fill in the blank. Anything you put in there is wrong. You put buffalo in. You put kitty cat in. Uh, those phrases are all swear word phrases that people have euphemized so that they're more, more uh, camouflaged. So... Um, S words are usually descended from fecal slang, sugar, shoot, etc. Um, there's a whole list of words beginning with F, and they're usually descended from sexual connotations, and some hardly recognizable, but they, again, the Gentiles know what they mean. <clears throat> Texting. Oh my goodness. Texted. Looks very close to. You know that? And guess what? They mean the same thing. The Gentiles know they mean the same thing. The publicans and sinners know they mean the same thing. So they've invented this euphemism. To... uh, so they can say it without you know, offending grandma. That's what they do. Amazon Alexa. is a little computer you can ask questions, and, uh, and I got this off the Alexa website, questions, answers. The question was, is, oh snap, a cuss word. That's the question. And Alexa, the World Information Center, responds back, Oh snap is another term for a swear word. If somebody is on, the conversation, is on the conservative side, they may find the term oh snap to be slightly offensive. It may be frowned upon for kids to say it as well. What is wrong with oh snap? I mean, snap it doesn't sound like, you know, damn or God or. But the Gentiles call that a swear word. Because it takes the place of swear words. It's used where they use swear words. So. If I borrow a euphemism. From sinners and say it in the same way as sinners. With the same attitude as sinners. Am I not a sinner? By their fruits you shall know them. As we can see in the o snap example, that any word or phrase you put in the swear part of the sentence counts. There's nothing you can put in there that doesn't count. You can't like make up your own sauerkraut. You know, that counts too. So what we have to do is leave those places blank. It's raining today. I can't go out and play and the expletive place stays blank. That's the only solution. Another anonymous, brave question. Anonymous. Do any of you know somebody, yourself or somebody else, that you don't have to say who it is, just that if, if you know or not, that doesn't use any kind of filler words like you're talking about? Can you raise your hand? I'm just curious. Maybe you haven't thought about it very much. It's so normal. Okay. And that person, do they have a hard time getting their point across? Like you don't know what they mean always? They just can't hardly talk? Perhaps. But I'm suspicious it's not because they don't put in those extra words. That's not what's missing. Perhaps they're a little vague in their explanations, but it's not because they forgot to say sauerkraut. That makes them hard to understand. Is that fair to say? All right, minced oaths are a viral epidemic in the adaptive community. Everybody does it, you know. Parentheses. But either they're ignorant, or it's so normal they don't think about it. Uh, But like like I was mentioned, there there is no no nothing you can put into those. Swear spaces that will not be a swear space filled in. There's nothing. There's nothing. Nothing there. You have to leave it blank. That's the only uh, solution. So next time you hear somebody say, "Oh my goodness," like after church today, say, ah, not that okay. "Is that a challenge for you? Can you do that?" It's a big habit. It's going to be hard to break. What do you think Jesus would say about, oh my goodness, good grief? Ye gads. You think he'd say, oh, just a cultural thing, and don't worry about it? Or do you think he would say, I haven't heard him say anything about it, I just what i read. Or would he say, speech that cannot be condemned, that the contrary part, the publicans and the sinners, won't be able to say, they swear too, it's just like Mennonite swearing, you know, same, same as us. They can say that most of the time, and for many, many, many Mennonites in the Anabaptist community. Yeah, I grew up with it. But um, hopefully you've never heard me say, oh my goodness, accepting the message. I only say it across the pulpit. That was um, mostly true. <laughs> I said in conversation about it as well, but yeah. Uh, I've been involved in school teaching for 20 years, and there's always a pinch point at school. You know what may the children say? What may they not say? So we draw the line somewhere. You know, I, in my classroom, I can kind of make the rules there, but school-wide, you know, I'm not the boss of the whole school, so where, wherever I've been teaching. So, um, okay, we draw the line here. These words you don't say. The teachers all say the other words. But okay, these words you don't say. My dad says it. What's wrong with that? Okay, well, I'm, not rechar- I'm not in charge of your dad right now. You're at school in our classroom so you can't say it here. We hear that a lot. So moms, dads, it's not so cute when Johnny says it. Or maybe you think it is. Sorry. But the Gentiles are listening to you. And the publicans and sinners are listening to you. Okay, let's move on to verse 38 and to, 38 to 40. This is a big section about an eye for an eye, retaliation, tooth for a tooth. Uh, the principle that I pulled out of this section is that Jesus is teaching comprehensive self-sacrifice. Like, you're disposable, okay? It doesn't feel very good. But that's kind of God's perspective on people. Uh, A loving God says you're disposable. Sure. They'll persecute you and chase you out of town. They'll kill you for my sake. And you're good. God doesn't promise us to be here and be prosperous and establish ourselves on the earth. Um, He's got a a future in heaven for us. So on this earth, in this life, all that we know so far. From God's perspective. Me and my stuff is disposable. Disposable. It might hurt a lot. I might cry. Uh, But it's all good. Because God has some big plan. That I don't know about right now. That what I'm going through now. Is. Okay. That's very very hard to believe sometimes. For many others more than even for, for, for me. I'm not saying I'm the. Uh, you know, a worse off or something. But, um, yeah, there have been a lot of suffering throughout the world in the, in the church over history. So if we have something, it's not ours. We're, our stuff is disposable. We're stewards of it. We're not supposed to waste it or ruin it or trash it and just like um, throw it around. But take care of it. We're stewards of God's blessings but it's not ours. Somebody comes and shoots all your cows because they don't, don't like farmers or something. They killed God's cows. And yes, you paid the bill. You worked and worked and worked and worked. But we don't take it personally. We say, God, somebody killed my cows. What should I do? Somebody killed the cows I worked for. We passed the, uh If somebody jerks your chain you refer the jerk up to God. If we're children of God, we can do that. And the blessings as well, the happy times, refer them to God as well. Uh, We're not the end of all things. The buck doesn't stop with us about our situations. Uh, We can refer our blessings and, and sad times to God. And you should be called the children of your father which is in heaven. Uh, Jesus told the scribes and Pharisees that they were children of the devil because they act with the devil. They lied. Your father was a liar from the beginning. If we are the children of our father which is in heaven, we'll act like our father which is in heaven. Or at least act like he told us to act. Uh, of course God is a, is, a, is a judge as well and we're not, we're not a judge so we don't have the same privileges and characteristics as God completely but we should be recognizable as children of God. Especially in the face of wrongdoing to us. uh, God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So our responsibility is not to mete out vengeance, but to uh, pass them on to God. Uh, Excuse me, I'm picking on Paul this morning. He did this, pass them on to God. Um, In 2 Timothy, he's talking about Alexander the coppersmith. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his deeds. Um, I suppose Paul would have wanted to see Alexander the coppersmith converted and become part of the church. Uh, But in Alexander's current state with his extreme opposition to the apostles' efforts, um, he was a a thorn in the side of a church, uh, and but Paul didn't curse him in the name of the Lord. Um, he said, "God will take care of Alexander," and that's that's the attitude I think that we should emulate. So Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. The next section we talk about is in chapter six, verses one to eighteen. Um, Jesus talks about different ways people can gather approval either from man or from God. And it, it seems like approval is more of a motivational force than even punishment and death. The approval, appro- op- approval for us to feel approved and validated drives us to do all kinds of stuff. Knowing that you are approved of God, for example, made all the martyrs from the early church up to the Anabaptist time, and even now in some countries and around the world, go through the persecution and death. Because they know they are approved of God. If you thought that nobody cared about you at all, not God or anybody else, People kill themselves. So we can get approval from the people around us. If we focus on the approval of people around us, uh, we can get it. But it's very short-lived. Jesus had approval of people around him. When he was a young person, he said he grew in stature and in favor with God and man. Sure, he was a nice person in the community, uh, helped out in the village. Uh, But you know what? He lost that approval, didn't he? Later on when he started talking about generations of vipers and things like that, it didn't go over so well anymore, and he lost that approval of men. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the pain. He had the approval of God, and for that approval, he went through this whole, sanct- uh, whole self-sacrifice system that God had planned for Jesus to go through. Because of the approval of God, like I mentioned, all the, the martyrs and persecuted church individuals up through, the, up through history have done the same. For the approval of God, they'll do anything. They'll be hurt badly. They'll be killed. They'll be chased away. <clears throat> and for the approval of men, people do a lot of things too. If they don't value the approval of God more than the approval of men. So there's a little, uh, conflict here. Do I f- uh, Sometimes you can have both like Jesus had for a while. Um, but if we have to choose one or the other, um, the apostles in the Sanhedrin, when they got dragged there because they were preaching in the in Jerusalem at the temple, they said, well, we have to obey God rather than men. If there's a conflict, well then, God, the approval of God is where the line needs to fall. That's an eternal, eternal, uh, forever approval. And this life seems like it's it's all we've got. You know, we've been here all these uh, 40, 40 couple years or more. Uh, and it's hard to understand. This is really just a blip in reality. I don't know how that works, really. I've never, never been to eternity, so I don't know how, how it works. It's so easy to think that this is worth fighting for, what we have here. But it's not. So let's strive for the approval of God. <clears throat> and in a godly church, you'll have the approval of the brothers and sisters as well. And in Paul's letters, again, at the end of his letters, some of them, he would list off some people that were approved of God and bless, a blessing to the church that they were in. <clears throat> in chapter 6, verse 19 to 34. Let's go over that section. Chapter 6. Kind of the general summary of this section. Um, it talks about a lot of different subjects, so it's a little difficult to include everything in a, in a title or a, a summary. But beware of trusting in our own abilities to control our own circumstances. So, whether you're Building up a lot of money to take care of yourself uh, and to protect yourself from, from harms of all kinds, like all, all kinds. Uh, or whether you're protecting your character by sassing back at people who are trying to correct you, or uh, beware of trusting in your own abilities to control your own circumstances. Like Jesus' example of the rich fool. He said, Ah, oh, I've got this big farm, it's done well. And now I can control my life and build this little partition around me and now I'm going to live luxuriously to the end of my life. Uh, James talks about people who plan, um, who, who, who glory in planning prosperous ventures. He says, go to now, you that say, tomorrow, tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we'll go and do such and such a city and buy and sell and get gain. But you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But you should say, if the Lord will, we shall do this or that. They were, um, he, he said they were boasting in their abilities to, to um, support themselves and, and, and live the high life. In chapter 7, <clears throat> Jesus talked about um, reap what you sow. He talked about our benevolent Heavenly Father, the gifts that he gives us. And then finally, the division between good and evil. <clears throat> um, God is a giver of the good gifts, and even if parents give good gifts to their children. They they feed and clothe them, uh, make their Uh, make them comfortable, Um, give them teaching and training to uh, um, improve their lives in the future, send them to school or homeschool. As much as you care for your children, how much more does your Heavenly Father care for you and give you good things as we communicate with Him? And then the last, like, 14 and on talks about the division between good and evil. There's a straight gate. Straight means narrow. Like, uh, have you ever heard of a straight jacket. A straight jacket is a garment they put onto irrational people. And it's something like a coat with really, really long sleeves, like sleeves that reach down to the floor. And your arms don't freak out at the end. So they get this straight jacket on you and it opens in the back, I believe. Okay. Is this Okay. I jerked the cord. Uh, it opens in the back. Um, and then they take the, sl- the floppy sleeves. And tie them around you and tie them behind you. So you're, like, stuck. Harvard, Harvard is stuck. Um, that's a straight jacket. I used to use them for you know, irrational um, people. <clears throat> so straight means narrow and confined and very, very restrictive. Um, that's the King James word, straight, the meaning there. So straight is the gate, not that it's not crooked. But it's, it's very narrow and very restrictive like you're in a straitjacket. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. Evangelistic efforts are great and wonderful. And the Bible is, is, has a lot of push towards evangelism. But we're not going to save the world We're not going to save half the world. We're going to save few. Jesus will save few people out of the world. There are few of you that find it. But it could be the person that you're interacting with. It could be your your children. It could be one of the few um, people you work with. Those publicans and sinners that are watching you, your clean speech. They could be the ones that will be part of the few <clears throat> we're not called to save the world. Jesus specifically says that we're not going to. there would be few that are, that are found and brought into the fold. But as many as can come in, is, that, that's good. That's, that's not, there's no, no limit on how many may come in. All are called to come. So wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and it's the easy road many to be which go in there at. And then he comes to the, Jesus comes to the section where he has a little bit of a judgment scene. Uh, and I don't know if this has anything to do with reality or if it's just a parable type thing. I, I could quite imagine that God would be discussing things with people at the judgment uh, but you know, maybe we'll, and I'm sure for sure not on authority on the judgment, but um, in these people's minds, they were going to get in. That's what Jesus, I think that's Jesus' point is. In their minds, they were going to get in. And in God's mind, they're not getting in, and God wins every time. So they came, in this account here, came to the judgment and says, have we not done all these wonderful works? And Jesus says, "I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. How can you work iniquity while you're believing that you are going to heaven? Well, a lot of folks do it. People who believe that they can disobey the Bible and teachings of Christ, and because they were saved one time." now they're good to go. <clears throat> they're not doing the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And of course, God's the judge, He knows where to draw the lines. Uh, all we can do is say, okay, Jesus in the Bible, the apostles, the scriptures say this. And um, you're doing this just so you know. It's not in our place to say, you're going to hell. That's not our place to do, but it is our place to do to say that the scriptures teach this, and you know what? You're doing this. What about that? And they can say, oh, don't care. Or they can say, hmm, maybe uh, we should do something about that. So let us build our houses on the rock. So when the winds come and the, and the, the rains come, the winds blow, and the floods come, that our houses don't crash. That we're not going to have to be on the side of those that Jesus says, I never knew you. Because different places in the descriptions in the New Testament, it talks about people who thought they were getting in. They were sure they were getting in. And they didn't. How do we know? If people can think they're getting in and God says, no, you're not. What about us? Are we getting in? Well, Jesus is very clear about the criteria. He that... Let's get forget the uh, word in there hear these sayings of mine and do with them and the rest of the scriptures as well so may we build our lives around uh, that knowledge we can be confident of God's accepting us um, as long as we are not holding back secret parts of our our hearts um, trying to slip by with something uh, God will let you know if you, if you want to know. He's never, he's, he's not a tricker. He's not the father of lies, the devil is. Uh, God loves his children. And there'll be something wrong. If there is something wrong, you'll know it. I'm not pretty sure about that. So, all right, we'll turn time back to the moderator.